actually about all these athletes actually Apparently it's not one part of the strategy gone Development It's all we envelop in telephone A wealth of intelligence Unless you're selfishly embellishing all of the championships Basking it in, let's study in the conferences Pac-12 and Big, 12 and the 10 SEC, ACC, win, 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 win It just kind of fades from there, that's good Yeah, they said like a minute, so Wait, there's more? Don't forget about the uh, Mountain West The Mac that can flex, somebody is next Ivy League fresh, literally though Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of players to test Team. I'm serious, they will talk about the most obscure players on this planet. Potentially another planet. Like, dude's got a 4340 from Mars. Like, I don't know. I, it's too much. I'm done. I'm gone. Welcome, well, ladies and gentlemen. This is Debbie Emanuel, episode 45, the podcast, which talks to you about players and then strategies to help you succeed in your Debbie and Campus to Camp Leagues. This week, we have a very special guest I've been really hoping to get on for a while, but before we get to him, I'll introduce my co-host, Joseph Nemour. How you doing, bud? I am all right, Dwight. How about you? Good, man, good. Hopefully, we can cheer you up a little bit, man. I know, <laughs> uh, life sometimes kind of throws shit at you, and you just want to... Sometimes it helps to get on and talk to a couple people as crazy as you are, so... All right, one of, the, one of these guys who's probably crazier than you and probably crazier than me, too, is our guest, Kevin Coleman of the Double D's Podcast, Hammercast, and he's also a Debbie writer at Fantasy Pros. Kevin, how you doing, bud? Hey, I'm doing good, man. I'm excited to get on. I've listened to this podcast a few times, uh, definitely this whole time get into this, so I'm excited to get asked to come on. Uh, excellent. Then we'll start, we'll start slinging questions at you first. So how did you get started in Debbie? You know, I had a friend that did it uh, a few years ago, and a funny story, I actually just... For my first league, I just became a commissioner. So we did a big 10-round Debbie league, uh, and we were supposed to start it. We started the startup draft in, De- in around December, and it was actually my daughter, uh, my wife went into labor early. And so I had to do a Debbie draft the same time as my daughter basically getting born. Uh, and my wife, I'm sitting in the room, and she's in a, she was in a two-hour delivery – or two-day, excuse me, delivery. And I'm sitting there, and I'm trying to draft Debbie players, and I, I love it, and I fell in love with it. And luckily, my wife is a saint, and she wasn't that upset about it. And so I was in there doing my first ever Debbie draft during my little daughter Riley's uh, birth. And I fell in love with it, and now I've been doing it ever since. Uh, it took me a while to even think about commissioning Debbie. It's a whole other beast. So much more in depth. How many leagues you got, Kevin? Oh, I hope my wife doesn't hear this. Um, I, so Debbie-wise, I'm in three Campus to Canton leagues. Um, I'm in a, a pretty heavy one. It's called the league with all the, all kinds of Debbie guys where we recruit and we do all these crazy stuff. It's, it's ridiculous. Uh, I'm in six Debbie leagues and then I have a pipeline league that I commission. So like we actually draft colleges. And so I'm about around 10, 10, 10 leagues for Debbie. <laughs> no, I, I, for Debbie, you can't, yeah, I think that's probably a sweet spot. Like I have about 20 total, but about half of them are not Debbie. And I've slowly chiseled that number down because I, I love it. I love Debbie and CC so much, man. It's like I have a hard time keeping focus on my leagues that are not Debbie, that do not have a Debbie element to them. So um, just for – I want to go through a little bit of strategies. Do you have any, like, strategies that you go by? I know this is kind of a broad question. We'll start with Debbie first. Is there a way that you'd like to build your Debbie squads, like positions you focus on or things that you do, like, when you draft? Yeah, you know, I think for me, um, and you guys, you know, could tell me if I'm wrong or not, but I always go after running back hard. So, like, I always, like, my first, like, top picks, 
I'm going after running backs as hard as I can because I feel like they're easier to know if they're going to break out or not. Um, I, I hit like like this year, Bijan Robinson is someone I'm going after. Some guys in the early rounds that I know that I can hit. And then after that, it's kind of just best player available. So I'm going to take the best player available I can get. I never reach on young quarterbacks. I try to stay away from young guys all the time. Uh, because they can definitely hurt you uh, for every, you know, Trevor Lawrence. There's other guys that we don't even remember anymore. Like we took them. Um, and so I, I stay away from young quarterbacks, uh, but I do go off the running backs hard. And then I always love to overload on positional talents, talent, excuse me. So it's tight end premium. I grab as many tight ends as I can in, in the later half of the draft, depending on how deep it is. But usually it's running backs early and then best player available. And I just let the value fall. Yeah, that's that's good. I actually heard of more people do that, I and mean, it's something that you know never invest in like the freshman quarterbacks. You know, the the really young guys. You know, don't. I mean, invest in them if they fall far enough. You know, if you can get Tyler Buckner in the twentieth round, why not? <laughs> you know, but don't take him in the fifth. You know, that's kind of crazy. Is your strategy any different in C to C, or do you try to win the college side, or is it really not as important? I, I try to win every side. I don't know about you guys. I'm competitive, so I'm going to try to build up my teams as best as I possibly can. I, I, I do have a little bit of a different strategy in there. Like for campus and can leagues, I think sometimes players reach too too much. The so fantasy manager, you guys try to reach too much in those first 10 rounds. I always go after NFL talent in the first 10 rounds. So I'm going to get guys that I know will be on my NFL roster for the most part based on my model, my models and what I'm looking at. And then, you know, from seven to 12 in that range for rounds, I will take some chances on incoming freshmen. Uh, it, it, you might have to go a little early if you're going running back, but wide receivers, like a guy like Troy Franklin, guys like that this year that I've been going after, they're falling in that kind of area. Uh, so I, I'm okay with taking freshmen in that category. And then I always let the value fall. Um especially quarterbacks, if I can get a quarterback in the fifth or sixth and just build up my quarterbacks. If it's a super flex league, I'm going after that. But always NFL talent. And then in the later rounds, I'm going to go after guys that will fill my roster and score me a lot of points. And so, you know, that could be like Ronnie Rivers from my Fresno State Bulldogs. Uh, guys like that that you can grab later and then you can basically win your college side while also building your NFL side. That's a very, very good strategy. What do you think about Fresno State's quarterback there? Felix, Felix loves <laughs> Yeah, I've watched him a little bit more. I feel like I I think he's okay. I, I'm not vaulting him up until the, you know, I'm not going to vault him up until the top level of guys right now just because I've seen him. I think he's got to work on his accuracy. You know, Jake Hainer, he's, he's, he's good, uh, but I want to see what they have around him. They really need some wide receiver depth there, so I think he's going to – He's going to get hurt there because they haven't recruited that position well, but they have a good coach. They have been recruiting better. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited. Hopefully California lets us go watch football games in person next year and I can go watch him and, and watch this team play. Yeah, I hope so too. They're one of those smaller programs that I really like to root for a lot. I actually have a Fresno State sweatshirt. It's one of, one of the college sweatshirts that I acquired over the years. Last question. This, I, want to, I want to do a music question every week because if anybody doesn't know, I'm a DJ on the side. I wanted to add some music stuff into this, and I haven't been able to DJ much the last couple of years, so I'm, I'm getting like this Jones in and stuff. You have to put me in the methadone clinic because I'm like, hey, hey. <laughs> um, <laughs> terrible joke. All right, Kevin, what is the greatest band of all time? Yeah, you're going to get all these music snobs mad at me. I, I'm not a huge music guy. Um, I'm not like someone who – I love music, but not. I'm not one of those guys that has the albums and the old school record players. I don't know if you do. I'm sorry if you do, but I don't, I don't have those things, but – what I will say is I love the Red Hot Chili Peppers. 
Um, I've always kind of been a fan of theirs and I've always, I kind of grew up with my mom used to listen to them all the time. Uh, and, and being from a single mom and she used to listen to that music and stuff, we have a pretty good connection with that. That's the one thing we kind of still have a connection over. So Red Hot Chili Peppers, I know isn't the greatest answer ever, but it's kind of my favorite band growing up just because of the emotional connection. Yeah, you can't beat that, man. It's cool. That's a cool mom that would listen to that type of music. I wish my mom did. My mom listened to like Dolly Parton and Rick Astley, weird stuff, uh, like, like way back in the day. So uh, let's see. Joseph, you have a favorite band? Come on, man. Favorite all-time band, probably the Beatles. I listen to uh, basically everything. Nowadays, I probably listen to more rap than anything, but I, I like some old-school rock. I like some indie, uh, a lot of pop stuff. Uh, my girlfriend recently turned me on to some country, which I previously always hated. So I, I'll listen to anything, but I think the Beatles are probably my, my go-to band choice. Like classic Rush. I love Rush so much. Like I've seen him in concert three times. Like my my personal favorite is Tool. I'm just a huge Tool head. Man. I love. <laughs> I've got all their albums on vinyl. Everything. So yeah, seen them way too many times, and they're my favorite. Very cool. I like it. Beatles, Red Hot Chili Peppers, and Tool. Very strange eclectic mix. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we want to start a Debbie Deep Dive series here at the Debbie Manual. What we're going to do each week, we're going to take a look at the lower half of the guys on the Debbie ADP. Um, I'll probably start posting Debbie ADP on Debbie Manual's site as it comes in. I'm working out. I've got seven drafts full of information, trying to get like a good Debbie, like a real deep Debbie ADP. So I want to try to focus on some guys that are the lower half, like below 60, who have really good chances of breaking out and then greatly in increasing their average draft to position. Basically, I asked Kevin Joseph, and then I wrote down some that I want. But first off, we'll start off with the quarter, quarterbacks. And Kevin, who do you like as who's got a good chance of drafting, raising their draft stock? Yeah, I, this is going to be a homer pick for everybody out there that knows me. But I'm a Michigan guy, um, and we finally have a savior, I think, I hope. I, I know I'm jinxing him with all my articles I've written about him, but uh, I really like J.J. McCarthy. And I know I said be careful with young quarterbacks, and Katie Flowers is probably rolling over if she's listening to this. But JJ is my guy. Okay. JJ, I, you know, in high school, he had 36 and two record, 7,900 yards passing, 94 touchdowns, just 13 interceptions, you know, and he's everything you want to see from him. He's got really exceptional pocket awareness. He can make accurate throws. Uh, we need just talent at, at the Michigan level with quarterbacks. And we haven't had one, I feel like since Chad Henney. Uh, and so that scares me a little bit, but you know, when I wrote my article recently for fantasy pros, I said that McCarthy was the closest thing I've seen to Stafford. Uh, and I, I mean that when I watch the tape and when I see him, the ability that he can make his throws, his strength needs to improve a little bit. But I love McCarthy. I think that he's going to start right away. You know, Cade McNamara is there, but Cade's not. He's OK, but he's not what we need for the future. Alan Bowman's there, but Alan Bowman had a transfer from Texas Tech and then he lost his job to try to shout. So that's saying anything. JJ should be able to beat these guys out. Um, I love him, and I think that right now he's going – if you don't have a Michigan fan in your draft, he's definitely going way later because people don't draft Michigan players anymore. So you can get him pretty valuable. I can see him getting way out of that ADP. He is the one guy – well, he's not just the one freshman quarterback, but he is someone that I'm willing to take a shot on, just like Tyler Buchner and these other guys. But J.J. is my guy. Yeah, I like it. And Michigan has not had a quarterback, you know, that can do the things that he has in a while. What impressed me most when I watched him is how intelligent he is. Mm -hmm. Like he, he reads defenses. He's really smart. You know, he moves in the pocket. He senses the pressure. I mean, all these numbers. That was at IMG too, which is like a, a legitimate, like basically a college program. Yeah, as much talent around him. So, yeah, I really like his poise and composure. And 
yeah, I think because of that, you know, everybody's afraid of what Harbaugh's going to do and afraid of that offense. You know, you can get them quite late, even like you said, unless there's a Michigan fan. So. But if you're playing with Michigan fans, you're doing something wrong. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Michigan State here. I don't know if you knew that, Kevin. So. Yeah, I did. I, I wasn't going to say anything. I didn't want to soil this podcast. Little brother. All, so. I know. I know. Little brother. What are you doing? <laughs> <All right. laughs> Joseph, who's your guy, bud? For quarterback, I will go with Haynes King from uh, Texas A&M. He's around 6'3", 200 pounds, incredibly athletic player with uh, really tremendous arm talent. In terms of pure athleticism, I would say he's arguably one of the most athletic quarterbacks in college football. I think he has the clear opportunity to take over as the starter of really a really talented Texas A&M roster that was arguably should have been in the college football playoff last season. Um, I think King is more talented than Kellen Mond. And I do like Kellen Mond. I think um, inconsistency is really his number one issue, which is really what his entire game is. But in terms of King, I I think, I think he has it. It's kind of hard for me to like quantify or qualify when I watch certain players at the high school level, there are some guys that look like they're beating up on inferior competition just due to a number of different things. But I mean, King was a four-star prospect, grew up in Texas, uh, played good competition in Texas, and he's a little bit raw. And I'd like to see him put on some size, but in terms of we're looking at guys outside the top 60 in Superflex ADP, King's ADP right now is 102. And I could see him inside the top three or four rounds next year if he has a solid season. I think they have the weapons. Uh, I think he has the opportunity. And I really don't see any reason why he wouldn't skyrocket as long as he does a competent job. So I think all the tools are there. Um, He's a little bit inconsistent from what I've seen. But this year is really when he's going to have the opportunity to put it all together. He's he's a hell of a fun guy to watch, man. The athleticism, like you said, he's crazy athletic and accurate on the move. He has really good touch on the move, which is and the ball placement while he's throwing on the run. And then with the ability to run, it makes him incredibly, incredibly dangerous. But he doesn't play out of control. That's what I thought was pretty cool about him. Right. Um, he's obviously got a really good IQ, crazy strong competitor. So I just love seeing that. He, I think he's what we wanted Kellen Mond to be. Like he's got Kellen Mond with a little bit of a fire, you know, like a little bit of more, you know, a little bit of current, a little more, you know, just more, more to his game. So. Yeah, I love Haynes King. He's a guy I've been snapping up. I think I've I've taken him way before 102 in the round. And the ones I've, if he if he's there at the sixth seventh round, I'm, I'm probably gonna take. Him. Like I really like his potential and what he can do there. Kevin, you got anything on Haynes? Yeah, I mean Haynes is one of my guys too. I get him everywhere in leagues. Uh, but I, what I will say is Haynes is what we thought Bo Nix was gonna be. Like I really feel like Haynes can be that dual threat has the arm, has that intermediate range, can do with all these things, and has better accuracy than what Bo has ever had. And Bo was going, what, way too early last year. And, I mean, Haynes is going way later than that. I'm just like, hey, if you're going to take Bo in the third or fourth round debut drafts, you might as well take Haynes this year. I don't know. I, I see that he's better. I love him. I love his size. And like you said, like, like Joseph said, I think that Texas A&M is a dark horse for or for the SEC. I think they have the talent around them if, you know, DeMond DeMoss can stop getting arrested. Uh, but <laughs> other than that, I think we'll be all right there with that talent. But I love the call. I love Haynes. I also – I haven't seen him go that late. Most of the mocks I've been in, he's gone way before 102. But uh, I would still take him multiple rounds ahead of what he's listed at here. 
I just think, Kevin, to what you said earlier, kind of in your intro in terms of strategy and Debbie, I agree with you generally on the quarterback position. But if I am going to take darts, it's going to be these types of guys that mm-hmm. I want to take shots on. Uh, the athletic toolsy guys that just need a little bit of refinement over the guys like Keaton Slovis, where kind of limited, very intellectual passers, but don't really have the tools. Uh, I would rather take shots on guys like this that are probably a little lower um, with the chance to ascend. And you kind of have to, right? Like, I think you both can agree this year when you go into the drafts after Rattler, how Ugalele, I'm going to mess it up. Bryce Young, Jaden Daniels. There's a clear teardrop after those five. If you're not going to get, if you're, if you trust Keaton, fine. But after that, it gets very murky. So I agree with you. Like, Hey, if you're going to take any shot at any of these guys, it's going to be guys like Haynes King who can, Hey, step in that freshman. Hey, he, he learned from Kelamon, who is a good probably mentor. He's there with Jimbo. You're doing all these things that you can see. That's a great call. I would do that. Cause after those top five, it gets murky as heck. Cause anybody keeping track at home, we did our weekly obligatory Bo Nix trashing. So we, we have fulfilled that obligation this week. So early in the show, if you see that much this time. Anyway, my guy is a, a little bit, a little bit deeper guy, Grant Gannell from Memphis. I think he's got a good chance of being Probably better C2C asset. I still think he's got a little bit of a shot at the NFL. I think he's a really smart, confident thrower. He's worked really hard to increase his velocity and his arm strength. And I think if he can put all this together, and he's going to be featured in an offense there at Memphis that's going to accept what he can do. He's going to put up some crazy, crazy numbers. Um, I love his swagger. He plays with kind of a little bit of a, a little bit of confidence, and you know, I just love that moxie. I love that you know, out of a quarterback. He's not the most mobile cat. There's nothing I don't love about him, but he does know how to move around the pocket. And he took really good care of the ball in Arizona when he had a chance. I mean, he threw 15 touchdowns against three interceptions over over 12 games. So a really interesting prospect. I'm not sure if he's going to be NFL talent, but he's it's there. I mean, some of the raw talent is there. And I'm trying to snap him up late. Definitely, a, for sure, a C2C guy and possible NFL talent. So, I mean, he's going like 15th round, you know, at least. So I'm definitely taking a shot at Canelo that deep. So either of you guys got anything on Gunnell is one of my favorites. I was actually really high on him at Arizona. I was surprised he transferred. Um, but I do think he has NFL upside. He's enormous, like six, five, six, six, two thirty 230 or so, uh, huge arm. And you said he's not the most athletic. I actually think he is a little bit, maybe it's like sneaky athleticism, but I, I think he can move. I don't think he's going to be necessarily a threat as a rusher, but I think he can run and add some value with his legs. I'm curious to see how he does at Memphis. I would assume he's going to win that starting job fairly easily. But I I think in terms of an arm, he's got the arm to make every NFL throw you want. So uh, I like him. I'm surprised he transferred, but I'm looking forward to watching him. Yeah, he definitely can move it in the pocket. Yeah, I just uh, sophomore Keelan Brown's there, who's a pretty exciting player, but not doesn't have anywhere near the pedigree that Goodell does. So, Kevin, you want to talk about your running back next? Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Austin Jones, uh, running back out of Stanford. Uh, he's kind of this uh, – running backs are tough in this era. So I was looking at the ADP and you're getting down there. And this is a kid that I just really like because I'm a California guy. Uh, so, you know, when we're talking about California, I always got to make sure I mention somebody. And he, he went to Bishop O'Dowd. I got to watch him actually play uh, football in high school. I've been there. You know, he was the number two all-time career rusher in Bay Area. He had almost 7,000 yards rushing in high school. And then last year, a lot of guys thought E.J. Smith was going to come in and take his job, and he didn't. And he held it. And wh- whether you can say whatever you want about Stanford, they haven't really looked 
very great the last couple of years. But even last year, he had 126 carries, 550 yards, and he scored nine touchdowns. Uh, he can score. And so when I'm looking at him, it, in between the tackles, he's really good. He's patient. He shows vision. Uh, he shows good contact balance. He Positive gains is something I really like to see from my runners, and he does that too. I love his footwork, his jump cuts. Everything about him screams NFL except for his speed. So I know that's going to be the biggest concern about Austin Jones, uh, but he's a dark horse. I think that he's going to be that running back one next year. I think he can improve in the receiving ability, but he had 21 catches last year in a really not great offense when he looked at what they did last year, but it's hard. I don't know how you guys feel, but just scouting the Pac-12 last year, that conference was such a mess with COVID and just the, just the schedule. I have a hard time determining how much of it was COVID and how much of it was like the offense and the system. Uh, but, you know, you, you saw it last year what he can do, and you could see just four games he did have 303 yards rushing and 100 yard, one yards receiving. So I like him. I think he's an interesting prospect is where he's going. His ADP is, is non-existent because it's past the past what we were looking at uh but I, I would say he's going it depends on the eight to 12 round depending on who you have in your draft i know if me or matthew brunin in there he's going early so we kind of screw up adp because we always draft him but other than that i like austin jones i think he has the ability to maybe sneak in there and you and that class next year is not the strongest uh after the top two guys it gets a little murky with running backs three through six seven so i, I could see him maybe sneaking in there yeah, I like it. Yeah, either he goes really late or, like you said, eighth, tenth round. You know, like you either have a guy in there that loves him, a guy that don't. And my notes is exactly what you said. But what stood out the most was how patient he was mm-hmm. and his vision. He like allows holes to develop, and he sees the blocks as they're developing. It was very impressive. So I think everybody kind of thought that he wouldn't be the guy there this year. So it was nice to see him, you know, take the ball and run. So, yeah. Anything any add, Joseph? No, I like Jones as well. I'm somewhat of a Stanford fan as much as Stanford fans really exist. So I I was impressed with Austin Jones last year as well, but I don't have a whole lot to add on what you guys both said. I will go with Sir Roderick Thompson, the uh, redshirt junior from Texas Tech. Thompson, I think, is like a discount version of uh, Kevin Harris, who is someone that is quickly gaining a lot of steam. I, I think he's got the frame to be a three down bell cow at the NFL level. I think. Thompson is a very powerful runner who runs with a low center of gravity. He's very compact. Um, His balance is terrific. I think he's quite athletic. I think he has decent long speed. I think he has good agility. Really, everything is there. The problem with him is he's not necessarily the most natural runner. Last week or two weeks ago when we had Ben Eby on, we were talking about how vision and like a football IQ is one of the things that we look for. Uh, most in running back prospects. And I don't know if Thompson has that, but I think he's gotten better over the last two years. Just in terms of like reading his blocks, it sometimes takes a while for him to process what's happening in front of him versus him anticipating it happening before it actually happens and then just hitting his keys and going. Um, So that's one thing I would like to see him uh, improve upon, but I think there are certain schemes that he would fit into well. I think he's a very, very good pass catcher. Um, although I will add that a lot of his pass catching work has happened near or behind the line of scrimmage. So it's not something where he's um, really beating defenses further down the field. It's a lot of manufactured touches that are happening for him close to the line of scrimmage because he's one of the team's best playmakers. 
but he is one of the team's best playmakers. And I, I think he's going to be a bright spot on that Texas Tech offense. So he's a guy that I think will gain some steam in a class next year that has um, a couple good talents at the top and then a huge tier of guys that are talented but have some questions. And I think he could enter that tier uh, with another strong season. Same things I noticed, exactly the same. Like his vision and his processing at the first level is where he needs to work on. It has gotten better. But when he gets to that second level, man, he is really, really dangerous. Kevin, you got anything to add on Surabit? Yeah, he's he's okay. I like him. Uh, I think, you know, Joseph hit on the head with what the concerns are. It's like all these kind of guys, if you notice, like these running backs that we mentioned after that certain ADP, they all are kind of missing that one thing, and it's kind of speed, right? Like it ha- it's, that, it's that breakaway. It, can he project to that next level? And I think that's the hardest thing to do uh, when you look at it. Because I know you mentioned vision. I love vision in my running backs, um, and, I, and I think that's important. But I love speed too. I'm a I'm a speed snobbish guy. And I love the I love the breakaway, and it doesn't mean it's ever going to always work. But I like the hey second level stuff. I think he's pretty good being the tackles. I think he runs a little high, a little bit too much for me. I, I think he's okay. Um, I, maybe it's just technical stuff with him. I like him though. He's not he's going late, right? And I think he does have that pass catching stuff. And for C two C leagues, I love him because he's going to get the volume that you want to see. So I like the pro- prospect. But like, hey, we're nitpicking these guys, and they're low level guys. We're just hoping they break out so um for a guy like that with, with what he's kind of been able to do and he's a three-star he's learning i i like it i like the call in my defense i was the person that picked last out of us three um <laughs> yeah. and i did want to go with the player that dwight picked but i'll let dwight introduce him uh yeah that's my boy kevin quick bet 150 kenneth walker goes for 150 against michigan this year uh yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> Every, Every, everybody goes for 150 against Michigan, I, I, right? I, I, would, I would hope he does. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. It was a Kenneth Walker, man. Kenneth Walker the third. The guy's not getting anywhere near enough love. He was uh, at Wake Forest. He had exactly 579 yards rushing the last two years, which is kind of odd. <laughs> Except in 2020, he had 13 touchdowns, which is kind of amazing. Uh, but what I love most about him is I love the way he processes the game. He's a very intelligent, intelligent running back. He runs very disciplined. He has patience. He allows, just like we talked about Austin Jones, he allows lanes to develop, blocks to take hold. He's really smart when he has the ball. And if the play breaks down, he'll create on his own. Um, he's elusive. He uses angles really well. He doesn't take many direct hits. But when he does take any sort of hit, he's got really good contact balance. There's a lot to love about him. I'd like to see. It's not exactly his job yet. I mean, there's still Elijah Collins, uh, whatever. Uh, Harold Joyner are there. So Michigan State's got a couple of backs there. But I just I think it's going to be Kenneth Walker's job to lose, and just depends on the offensive line play as to whether Barty will do something this year. It's been a rough couple of years, so we've watched Michigan run the crap all over us the last couple of years. So it's time for hopefully Little Brother to get back to some sort of a semblance of a competitiveness under Mel Tucker. I like Kenneth Walker for a ton, and he's been I I'll, I'll take him in the fifth sixth round. I, I don't care. He's my boy. Have either you got anything on him? I'll let Joseph go since he was going to pick him anyway. I want to give him the shine. I can't really talk about a Michigan State guy anyway. So Dwight touched on most of my favorite parts about Walker. Um, I really liked him as an under-the-radar guy when he was at Wake Forest. And I think I, having transferred to a bigger program, I think he's going to be basically the exact type of player you would expect to see ascend. Um, just having a chance to prove his talent on a, a bigger stage. But I mean, I think in terms of what I typically go for at that position, 
he has it in terms of the IQ and the processing and the vision and all of that stuff. Uh, and I think he's an athletic player with good agility. So really checking all of the boxes that I like to look for in prospects. And I think he's got good size. A lot of the running backs in next year's class are on the smaller side. And that's why when you're trying to find guys that could really shoot up the rankings, he's one that jumps straight to the top of my head uh, as someone I think most people have probably heard his name, but may not have watched a whole lot of Wake Forest film because there's not a whole lot going on there. Looking forward to seeing him at Michigan State this year. I do have a comp for him, and I want to see what you guys thought about this. Uh, and this is not Devin Singletary and the Bills, but Devin Singletary at FAU. That's kind of like – I'm not great at comps, but that's someone I see when I watch him. I think because he kind of does everything that he can do, it's just maybe not the speed. But that's kind of my comp for him. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. I do think he's got the ability to catch passes, but he hasn't shown it. And I don't know if he'll get to either because Michigan State's got a couple couple pretty good pass catching backs already. So he might be pigeonholed into a two-down roll, which would really suck and hurt his value quite a bit as well. All right, Kevin, who do you got wide receiver, man? Yeah, this is uh, someone that I, I've really been growing on. Um, I think Debbie Dietz, my guy Debbie Dietz Austin, kind of g- gave him a shout-out a little while ago, and I've been looking at him, and that's Destin Hill. Uh, he's going to FSU. He's a freshman. FSU, I think, it, and the reason why I like Destin is because Destin's going to get a lot of playing time early because I don't know if you watched Florida State last year, uh, but they are not good. They need a playmakers, and I think obviously they're going to be better this year, but when you look at kind of where they were last year, they need guys like Destin Hill. He's foot two hundred. He's got very good speed. He's got a big catch radius. And everything I wrote down is he can win 50-50 balls. And he gets the highest point. And he's just an athlete. And he kind of separates himself a little bit at his ability to get yards after the catch. And they need guys like this in that, in that offense. And I think that that wide receiver room down there at Florida State is wide open. So when you look at kind of what the wide receivers are at right now, uh, basically, you know, Terry Wilson, Keyshawn Helton, Jordan Young are returners. But – it just does not look great. Uh, you know, Tamarian Terry left. I think that Hill can step in and, and play right away. A scheme fit in Mike Norvell's offense, he's exactly what he wants, especially with what Norvell did in Memphis. He, you know, athletic, can get in, in, in inside and out. I love Norvell's offense, especially with receivers. He develops them very well. Uh, I think he's going to make immediate impact. He's a playmaker, and he's someone that I'm really high on, especially because they're going to have a better quarterback situation there. So I really – I think that job is going to be McKenzie Milton's to lose. And so McKenzie Milton obviously transferred over over there. So I think with him there and Destin Hill, that's going to be a great connection. If you're in campus of Canton Leagues, I think this is an easy buy, especially with his ADP where it's at. And he's definitely getting some traction you know, as a guy that could stand out in this freshman class. Like, I like what you said, but he's also – he has an advanced feel for the game, which mm-hmm. is impressive to see at his age. Like, there was a lot of high school tape of him beating press coverage. Yeah. You know, finding spot, he manipulates defensive backs with movement, you know, which is something you really don't – usually don't have to. In high school, you know, as good of an athlete as he is. Yeah. He usually doesn't have to, but he seemed like he knew what he was doing. And that was really impressive to watch. I mean, he didn't have to do that. He could have just blew by him. But he was very smart. Yeah, he, he's getting a, a little bit of traction. I wouldn't be surprised to see his ADP up in near 100. Just, you know, certain guys talking about him, you, Austin, you know. His name's getting out there. So, Joseph, I know mean, you've talked about this cat before, but let's give McMillan a little more love. Jalen McMillan going to be a sophomore redshirt freshman receiver at um, University of Washington. 6'1", 185. 
didn't really play last year, but McMillan was one of my favorite receivers in last year's incoming freshman class. And I think he, uh, he can really fly. He's a tremendous route runner. Uh, and one of the things, as we mentioned last week, um, that I really like to see is players being able to create separation. I think McMillan has great release, and I think he has the ability to run nearly the full route tree already with some good technique and nuance to his game. So I think there's one clear knock on him right now, and it's the fact that he didn't get a chance to really play last year. So Cade Otten is going to be returning the um, Huskies tight end. He's probably going to be their leading receiver again this year. But outside of Otten, Washington really doesn't have a whole lot of established receiving talent. They have a lot of young receivers uh, with some promise. I also like uh, Rome Odunze. I hope I didn't just butcher that. Probably did. Puka Nakua just transferred out of Washington. And I think that's going to allow McMillan to be able to see the field this year. And I'm really excited because I think he's someone that has been a little bit forgotten in the ADP that uh, Dwight shared with us pre-show. McMillan didn't have an average draft position, which I find shocking just based on his pedigree from last year. And I think he's not going to surpass Keishon Boutte or probably Rakeem Jarrett, likely Marvin Mims. But uh, I think he could jump all the way up to the area where uh, Julian Fleming, Jackson Smith and Jigba, those guys are right now. And that's probably like the third or fourth round of, of ADP. So I just think we need to see McMillan actually do it on the field. I think he has all the talent to actually do it. I just want to see him actually get the playing time, and I'm excited to watch him. He definitely has the opportunity there. I hope Sam here gets a job. It would be nice to see him open up a little bit, but Washington's yep. been notoriously pretty stingy. They've always had some good wide receiver talent up there. I just feel like they just haven't been had the offense to feature that type of talent. Hey, man, don't be hating on my guy Dylan Morris. He's not out of it yet. Come on, Dwight. Like, <laughs> hey, I have him in a bunch of my leagues. He's in there. I, I, I like that you shout out Jeremy Miller. He's a Fresno guy. I got to give love to him. I've watched him play. He actually, one of my best friends, coaches at that school, so at San Joaquin Memorial, so he coaches basketball. So, And that was the same school as Jalen Green, who's going to be the number one pick in the NBA draft. That whole class was just wow. insane. Um, you know, I love him. Yeah, I'm glad you said uh, Puka Nakua because I was trying to pronounce that. I'm glad you did it, uh, Joseph, when I was going through it. <laughs> uh, but, no, I think that's a great call. I think that they're going to be able to have it. And he's right there at my tier three, tier two. He's, like, right – like, I think he's wide receiver 12 of that class right now. But, like you said, it's only because – for me, he hasn't really seen the field. But, I mean, I would probably rank him above DeMond DeMoss right now and G. Scott easily, E.J. Williams, because those guys, I, I like his talent more, and I think he's going to have that opportunity. So that's a great call, especially where his ADP's at. Yeah, I still have DeMoss over him, but mm -hmm. I, I just don't know what's going on with him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we haven't seen him play in two years, and then he just got arrested. Uh, not necessarily that worried about – I think it was a marijuana arrest, so yeah. not really a big deal, but you just like to see some better decision-making. Um, just don't get caught. That's all I'll say, but <laughs> come on. Um, but I, if he doesn't see the field this year, we're, I, I'm out on Tomas. Yeah. So, I mean, they're in a similar situation, and I think McMillan, I would expect Otten to lead the team in receiving, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if McMillan was right up there. Yeah, I agree. Today's lesson, the more you know, just don't get caught. <laughs> good, good advice, Joseph. Anyway. Thank you. <laughs>
you'd be surprised a lot of these guys. It is as simple as that, you would think. But <laughs> so my, my guy's the other guy who has an opportunity this year. I mean, quarterback play will be the thing that would hold him back, I think, from being like a statistically great wide receiver. He's got the talent to do it, but it's Donovan Green from Wake Forest. Um, I do think his route tree, his overall development could be stymied a little bit by this offense. Uh, he has put up some decent stats last year, 29 grabs for 582, but only two scores. He likes seeing the 20 yards per catch, but only two scores, but that could also be offense. Sam Hartman, some people really like him, but I don't think he's it. More A little bit more about Donovan Green. I think he's a really good athlete, athlete very dangerous after the catch. Has good long speed, and he's incredibly elusive when he has the ball in his hands. He separates throughout the route, like at all different levels. His change of direction is really, really excellent. Good body control, strong and contested catches. You, you see this, he does all of this well. You know, he has the tools, the athletic ability to transcend, but we just want to see more of it. You know, you want to see him just develop. You want to see him stand out. Like, we, we, we really want to see it. He's a guy who's been a sexy name, I think, kind of in, a little bit in Debbie circles. So he started off really strong last year, then kind of faded throughout the year. I didn't write his ADP down, but it's pretty low, too. I think it's right around 100, maybe even lower than that. So another guy you can get pretty late in your drafts. Talent's there. You just want to see him. I just looked it up. His ADP is 117 overall, so that's, that's late. I don't have much to add. He is really raw, but he is really athletic, and I like some of the development that he's already shown. I just I, I want to see him get more reps against press and um, I just – run more of the route tree because uh, he hasn't done much of that yet. But I think that'll come with just more experience, more reps. I like his promise. I just got a lot of development to go before I really think of him as like an upper tier Debbie asset. But I, I think he could grow into that for sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think, you know, when I was looking at his kind of profile from high school, he played against like a lower level talent over there in North in North Carolina. So I think that he's extremely raw, but I, he's someone that I really like, especially where his ADP is at. You know, he's kind of in like tier three, four for me right now, but I love his size. Like when you look at him, he has gotten bigger. Um, he, I'd like him to see more contested catches. And like you said, press off, off the line is something that I really need to see. Uh, but again, I just don't know how good Wake Forest is going to be. I, I don't know whether who's going to be throwing the ball and, and we'll see, but he's definitely a sleeper and he's someone to keep an eye out. Cause I think he's improved and we're looking at breakout. I think he has had that, but we'll see how good of a year he has next year. And if he can, he can probably get in that tier two for me. Yeah. For me, he's more athlete than receiver right now, yeah. but I think it's all, he can put it together. Just hasn't yet happened but i like him right he's in that tough spot you know that we talked about where you start thinking about the college guys you know the c2c guys you know do you take mm -hmm. a guy like that who has the potential or do you take a guy you know who's going to get i'm trying to think of a kid from ecu that's going to you know just get tons and tons of catches you know cj johnson yeah cj johnson there you go i think Corey rucker too whatever he's again anyways he, he, both of those guys you know you start to weigh that college production you guys got anything else you want to talk about? We're pretty good on time. Tight ends. No, I'm just kidding. Do we draft tight ends in C2C? <laughs> um, nope. Even after quarterbacks, right? After freshman quarterbacks. What do you guys do with Eric Gilbert? Gilbert? Like, uh, some people are still taking in the second, third round, and then I'm in one right now where he's still available in the fifth. I mean, that's it's just a tough case. Man. I would take him in the fifth, for yeah, sure. So. 
Yeah, he went a second in a recent startup I did, and I wouldn't touch him in a second. I don't even know if he's going to play football. Anymore. I don't even know. I, I, I think that you got to be careful with that. I will say in the league I'm in, the pipeline league, everybody's dying right now because wherever he transfers, you get his right. So it's it, it, the Florida guy was all pissed because he transferred out of there. LSU guy was mad because he lost him. So now he's like that one white whale out there. Where's he going to go? So I have Ohio State in that league, but I don't think he's going to go Ohio State. But that you know that's it, where it's at. Ohio State already has a really good tight end that they don't use. So. <laughs> What, what do you do with like JUCO guys and stuff in the pipeline? Are they just not available? Or? Yeah, if we're if we're, if we're in that league, we don't we don't. It basically, it's just wherever they transfer. Uh, and so and and what's cool about that league too is you can actually trade schools uh, and include them and stuff. So it's been a lot of fun. But yeah, the JUCO stuff and, and like the transfers is ruthless. It just gets bad. Like JT Daniels, uh, with some other these guys that transferred last year and stuff. It gets a little ruthless in the chat. All this chaos this year for transfers. Was, I, I never even thought of that, man. The pipeline would have been so much fun this offseason, man. Love the high profile guys transferring yeah. and stuff. But it's not, so, yeah, that's something we haven't really dived much to. That's something we should sometimes talk about the weirder side of C2C and stuff, the pipeline, you know, the stuff. That, that's, that's a whole different piece. And I tried that one year and it's just, I was just like, whoa, holy smokes, that's crazy. So. All right, Kevin, um, tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter. For some reason, they're not following you and like what you're working on right now. But Yeah, you know, you can find me at the boys underscore 22. It's an homage to my Dallas Cowboys uh, from my late grandfather. Uh, so you can find me there. As right now, you know, we're just working on um, – I'm working on some player profiles, and I have some stuff for HammerCast.com. I just wrote a Big Ten sleeper for Fantasy Pros, if you want to look at that, for Debbie. And then other than that, just, you know, working on uh, the podcast. So we have a big guest. I have seven live streams in the next, like, 10 days uh, to 11 days. So we're going to go live, and so you can catch them on Twitter, on our YouTube channel at HammerCast.com, or HammerCast YouTube, and then you can also check our podcast out. Yeah, Kevin's been just just doing God's work out there, man. You've had a lot of good content lately, and I, I love the Big Ten stuff. Like that's something I can always read. So I'm definitely a Big Ten homer. So good stuff, man. Keep it up, bud. Appreciate it, Joseph. What you got, bud? Um, thank you for not asking me what I'm working on, because um, the answer is still nothing. Yeah, Ke- Kevin does awesome work. He, I mean, the amount of content I've seen. I wasn't even following Kevin, and I saw his name across my Twitter timeline so many times that just I just assumed I was. So we fixed that this week, but excited to check out more of his stuff. I'll tune into some of those live streams for sure. But you can find me on Twitter at jnamore24. Um, work is at dynastyleaguefootball.com at some point in the future. Um, all my previous stuff is there, and it's somewhat evergreen. So go back and check that out if you are really starving for content. But that's about it. You can find me on Twitter at FFPeoplesChamp. We're still working on a little bit of rookie profiles. I'm going to start switching over to more Debbie profiles at Dynasty Nerds and get some more video content up at Debbie Manual YouTube channel hopefully soon. Uh, you can find this podcast on Twitter at Debbie Manual, and we will talk to you guys next week. <laughs>